what you continue to do in this place, how you continue to move, how your spirit continues to work on people's hearts. God, I just pray, Lord, now as we go into the time of the preaching and teaching of your word, God, that you're glorified as much by this time in the attentiveness of our hearts to your word as you are to, uh, that you're glorified as much to the attentiveness of your word as you were to the, the, the hearts that were lifting up praises to you. God, we so desperately want to sing praises to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to our King, and we want you to be honored by that. God, but we so desperately want you to be honored by the rest of our lives, God, as we walk day in and day out, God, in your path and the path that you've laid out for us according to your word. God, as we pursue righteousness, as we pursue holiness, God, I pray, Lord, that, that you're glorified by that uh, just as much as you are by our singing our praises to you. God, we so desperately, God, want to honor you. God, we so desperately want you to change our lives. We want to be more like your son, Jesus Christ, and less like ourselves. God, all for your glory. God, we so desperately want you to move in our lives right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we talked about the fact that we're starting a new series on Ruth. That's the reason for the cool background there. Um, we've been in the series one week. This is the second week. So I told you that we would just do one week at a time. Ruth chapter 1, Ruth chapter 2, unless God changes my heart, we'll do Ruth chapter 3, Ruth chapter 4, all giving each individual chapter one week at a time. Uh, there is some indication what God is doing in my mind that, that we may actually do 3 and 4 together next week. I'm not exactly sure. Either way, you're going to want to be here because it's all good. I told you that a lot of times when you get into the Old Testament, people are like, oh, good, this is a good time for me to catch up on my rest. I've been looking to get a nap sometime this week, so luckily Kenny's covering the Old Testament so I can, I can catch up on my rest during the Old Testament review. I'm telling you, man, this stuff is so good. It just is. For those of you that are, that are listening and didn't fall asleep last week, I think you can testify to the fact that it is really good. It is really powerful stuff. You have to... Sometimes you have to like put yourself in the situation a little bit in order to be able to understand that, you know what, these are real people. The folks in the Old Testament, we always look at them, anybody that's got a name in the Bible, we always look at them like they're these superheroes of the faith. Like, man, like they just constantly are on cloud nine, they're cheery, they're happy, they're, you know, everything's good in their life and nothing ever goes wrong. And sometimes they have a bad day, but they bounce back really quickly. And all this kind of, we have that kind of perception of people in the Bible. That ain't true. The people in the Bible are just like me and you. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, they, they're given an opportunity to either choose God or not, just like you and I are. We're given a choice, right? God doesn't force himself on us. He reveals himself to us, but he doesn't force himself down your throat. He gives you a choice. Uh, you can either live with him or you can live without him. You've got a choice about that right now in your lives in, in, in this world that we live in, you got a choice. You can live with him or without him. He doesn't force himself on you. He reveals himself to you, and he desperately wants a relationship with you, but he doesn't make you have a relationship with him. Same thing for when you die. You, ha you had a choice while you're here on this earth, and what you chose right now is what you'll decide for eternity, whether or not you'll be with him or without him. But he doesn't make you choose. Uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't make you choose him. He, he allows you to say, you can be with me, 
You can, you can pursue me and have a relationship with me, and we can, we can bond, and we can talk, and we can be close to one another, or you can just go your own way. I'll, I'll allow you to do that. You can do your thing. You can live your way, and I'll allow you to do that so much. If you choose it here on this earth, you can do that for all of eternity. You can live completely separate from me. Now, this place where you are separate from God is called hell. You may have heard about it. You may have read about it. It's a real place. It's, it's a place where God is not. It's a place where God has lifted his hand and said, that's your place. You can have it. And you get to choose. Isn't that nice that God lets us choose? It wouldn't be love if, if he forced himself on us, right? Can, can you imagine if you got a robot that you programmed and all it says all day is, Kenny, I love you. Kenny, I love you. That would be great, wouldn't it? Just a little robot to stand over there and say, Kenny, I love you. I'm feeling down. I got a little remote control. Kenny, I love you. You know, today's been a bad day at work. The service didn't go too well. I stammered over like 450 different words today from the Old Testament. And I just hit the button, Kenny, I love you. That would be great, right? How meaningful would that be? Would it, would it warm your soul to hear a robot say, I love you? No, because the robot didn't choose you. You simply program the robot to say, I love you. It's not genuine. It's not authentic. It's just words. You know, that's some people's relationship with God. It's just words. There's no meaning behind it. There's no heart behind it. There's, they don't follow God, so how can they say they love God and he's Lord in their life when they don't follow him? He doesn't force himself on you. He didn't program. He didn't make a bunch of robots. He just said, me or not, and you get to choose. If you choose me, it's got to be genuine love. If it's... If it's not genuine love, it'll be evident in your life, and you'll know it when you say the words, I love you, God. These people in the Old Testament, they're just like you and me. They've got a choice. Some of them choose God, some of them don't. Just because their name's in the Bible doesn't mean they choose God. We saw that last week when we talked about this lady named Orpah. You remember her? Her name kind of looks like Oprah, but it's not her name. Her name's Orpah. you got a sister named Ruth, and they're palling around with this lady named Naomi, who's the mother-in-law. Both of their husbands have died. You remember their husbands' names? Sickly and wasting away. You remember that? <laughs> These guys started out on a bad foot, right? So like, if your name is sickly and your name is wasting away, the chances of you living a long, healthy life are probably slim. Am I right about that? Yeah, yeah. That's sarcastic, Kenny, coming out. I'm sorry. I do that from time to time. You know, that sarcasm is like my second language. But anyway, so... Sickly and wasting away, they've passed on. You got uh, Ruth and or Orpah, who I keep wanting to say Oprah. Ruth and Orpah, they're with their mother-in-law, Naomi, who was married to Elimelech, and he died too. So we got a real happy story going on, right? The, the story is really cheery so far. We got everybody's dead. There was famine in Bethlehem, so they went to Moab to try to hang out and get some bread, get some wheat, and, and just everything be okay and... and Everybody's dead, and all the husbands are dead. I said it sounded like a Disney movie, except the women would have been dead in the Disney movie. Turns out that all the men are dead in this story, and now they've heard that the famine has gone away back in Bethlehem, and you know, people are starting to make a living. They got some bread. They got some, some wheat. You remember we said that Bethlehem was actually, uh, the, the name Bethlehem means it's the place of bread. It's ironic the fact that 
At this particular time, it was a place that didn't have any bread, but it was called a place of bread. And, and now things are going good again, so they come back to Bethlehem, and everybody's like, is this the Naomi chick? Is this her? Is that who we're talking about, the one that went away, that went to Moab, whose sons married those Moabite women? Is that who we're talking about? And we said maybe she put on a few pounds. I don't know. Maybe she was in uh, this land and it gained a few extra pounds. And maybe that's the reason they said, why is, is this really Naomi who's come back? And she gave her two daughter-in-laws, she gave them the option. She said, you can come with me or you can go back home. As a matter of fact, go back home. Go, go do what you used to do. I'm setting you free, man. I'm cutting you loose. You can do the thing you used to do. And go ahead. It's all right. You can. It's really, you can go back to your gods. You can go back to doing your thing your way. It's cool. It really is. I'm cutting you loose. Go have kids. I mean, I can't have kids right now. I'm too old and all this stuff. So even if they were to grow up, you couldn't marry them. So you just go. I'm cutting you loose. Go and do your thing. Go back to Moab and do your thing. Well, Orpah says, yeah, I'm down with that. Initially, she was like, no, not really. I really don't want to leave you. And then she was like, okay, you talked me into it. Naomi comes back to Bethlehem with this lady named Ruth. And Ruth has said, you know what? Wherever you go, Naomi, that's where I'm going. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And we talked about the testimony of Naomi and the fact that, you know, her name meant pleasant, right? Initially, she comes back to Bethlehem after... All this stuff has happened to her after her kids die and her husband's dead. And she's like, don't call me pleasant anymore. Call me bitter. Call me Mara. And, and she's like, she's very transparent, right? And we talked about that. How as Christians, as believers, we don't necessarily have to act like everything's okay all the time. Sometimes bad stuff happens to us, right? Sometimes really bad stuff happens and people die and people we love go away and best friends are gone forever and all that kind of stuff, it happens. And we don't have to hide and act like it's not real. That's the problem with a lot of churches today. They're hiding and acting like it ain't real. I'd rather be very transparent and open with you guys and us be open with each other and us be real with each other. Because that's, you know, if I were to say, what does the world need now? The world needs now is transparency. That's what I believe. You, you, don't, you think I'm crazy. You go talk to a 16-year-old girl... I promise you, you can't fool a 16-year-old girl. You may say, oh, what are you talking about? They fall in love with everybody. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about whether or not you're being real with them or not. You sit down with them and you talk. For, I sat in their small group a couple weeks ago, and I just sat down and talked with them and was completely transparent with them. You can't fool them. You can't pretend. You can't act like you're holier than thou. It don't work in there. I'm telling you what the world desperately needs right now is a bunch of transparent people, people that are willing to be open and honest about, man, I'm struggling. I don't exactly love God right this minute. I'm struggling with the fact that I don't even know if he loves me. If you could, we could be open about that sometimes in our life, I think that would do us a lot of good. As opposed to saying everything's perfect with my life. That way I can condemn you for your sin and look down on you and hate you and say you're wrong, you're bad, you're awful, blah, 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 all that kind of garbage. Knowing full well the junk you got in your life is just as bad as the junk in their life. It just may not be printed on a list somewhere. What the world needs now is transparency. Transparency and love. Yeah, the song is right. Yes, what the world needs now is love. I don't think you can have love without the transparency. Because it ain't genuine. It ain't real. And people need real love and transparent love to people. And I think that's what will transform our world. People stop pretending. 
people get real and sit down and start talking about the elephant in the room. It happens to be one of my favorite things to do. So Naomi says, change my name to, to Bitter. We'll be Mara now. Things are not going so well in the life of Naomi and Ruth. They're together and they're, they're tight, right? So mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, they're tight. They're really close. And Ruth has committed herself to going wherever Naomi goes. And she's like, I think Naomi's testimony and the fact that she says the Lord has done this, I think she constantly is saying, God is still at work. God still has his hand in my life. Even though things may not be going right right now the way I see it, God is still working. And that is the message of Ruth. If I had to say, what, what are we trying to teach you through this Old Testament passage? It is that, that God is still at work. Even in the most subtle, mundane things of life, even in the worst situations, God is still at work and he's doing something great. Even though it is beyond your comprehension and beyond your understanding, I promise you that God is doing something amazing all the time. As David Platt likes to say, he's got the whole thing rigged. He really does. God's got the whole thing rigged. He's constantly putting the pieces of the puzzle together in ways that we don't even understand. And the end result is it's amazing. It is blown away. And when you look through Ruth, when you see the end of the story, you're going to go, wow. God was doing all of that in this seemingly mundane story. It's only four chapters long in the Old Testament. God was doing something great. Teaching us something. Showing us something. Showing us how much He loves us. And how much He wants us desperately to be in His family. God is constantly showing us this. So today we're in Ruth chapter 2. So they come back to Bethlehem. Things are good because they're back in the place where there's, there's the famine's not there anymore, so things are looking up, right? Now, they're still poor. They're still coming back from Moab. They still really got not a whole lot of finances or anything, and they're trying to figure out how do we just keep on living. Now, some people in here may be in that particular situation in their life right now. Like, I'm broke. I got nothing. How do I just keep on living? Is God really going to sustain me? Is he really going to give me everything that I need so I can take another breath? Yes, he will. Now, let me tell you something. What you think you need and what he thinks you need may be two different things. That's the reality of the situation. When you put your faith and trust in God and say, God, whatever you think I need, that's what I want. Be careful because I promise you it's way different than what you think you need. It, you, you may think that you need nice clothes. And God just says, I'm going to clothe you. See, sometimes he has to bring us down to show us that we really need him. Some of the most dependent people I've seen on God are the people in Haiti when I was there. and when, I mean, you look at them, and they got a real faith. I'm talking about people that, that, that are like trusting on Jesus Christ for the next meal that will be put on their table when they don't have any food. And when they put the offering plate out, the people, instead of, because they don't have any money, you know what they do? They take the eggs that they got from their chickens, or they take the fruit that they got uh, out of their garden, or they take the vegetables they got, and they'll put that in the basket and say, I don't have a whole lot, but you can have this, God, because I believe that you will feed me and you will take care of me tomorrow. Now, that's real faith. I don't know many of us that, that if you were hungry and you didn't have any money, that you would take food from your garden and put it in the offering plate. I think, <laughs> I think we got it too easy, folks. I think the stuff we think we need is not really the stuff we need. 
the whole message in chapter 2 is God's going to take care of you. Maybe not in the way you think he should, but he's going to take care of you. So let's look what it says in our Bibles in Ruth chapter 2. Connie, I may skip around a little bit, so just keep up. I'll go chronologically, but I may skip around. Now, there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz. This is not in Alabama, by the way. Uh, They have no outlet malls. Uh, Named Boaz, which the malls really aren't that good anymore, are they? Anyway, Uh, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. All right, so we got this dude. He's like in the family, right? He's all right, good. He's wealthy. That's a good thing. All right, we need some... Wealthy relatives. Anybody in here wish they had some wealthy relatives? One day, Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields and pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who was kind enough to let me do it. So she's like, I got a plan. So I know we're hungry. I know we need some bread. Let's, let's, I got a plan. So I'll just go behind them and get their scraps, get their leftovers, and that's what we'll use to eat. Now, what does this say to you and me? Well, that's good, Kenny. We only got like, you know, two and a half verses into it, and you already got something to say. But yeah, I do. And that is this, that Ruth was willing to do something. Oh, what? Yes. Ruth was willing to do something. Now, I just told you that God's going to take care of your every need, right? So some people are like, oh, that's good. Well, I, I have no place to sit. I would sit Indian style, but you wouldn't be able to see me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit here. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God, right? So I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. Well, that's not what Ruth did. She said, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of what God has done and the fact that he has put us in a place with plenty. And as a matter of fact, they've got plenty. So when they go and they pick up what they got, they're probably going to leave some hanging around. They're probably going to leave some extra. So Ruth is willing to do whatever it takes to go and enjoy the abundance that God has provided. She's not just sitting around on her rear end doing nothing. She actually says, man, I'm going to go do something. You know what a lot of us need to do? We need to go do something. A lot of us want to sit around and say, all right, God, you told me you took care of me. So, all right, where's it at? And you're sitting around in this world that we're living in, and, and it's covered up in abundance in, in Calhoun County, Alabama, just flowing with abundance. And we want to sit around and whine and moan because we ain't got nothing. Ruth said, man, it's, it's blessed abundantly here. So I'm going to get off my rear end. I'm going to go down there to the fields, and I'll pick up the scraps, and that's what we'll live off of. Why well, I love that attitude. If you don't work, you don't eat. Ruth says, I'm going to work because we're going to eat. So that's what she does. She goes down there into the grain fields and starts picking up. Naomi thought it was a good idea. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. What did I say a minute ago that David Platt likes to say? He's got the whole thing rigged, don't he? Like she just, she picks the field to go out and start picking up the scraps in. Turns out she's in the field of Elimelech's relative. Just happens to be the field that she picked. She must have been really lucky, right? She must have just lucked out that day. No, he's got the whole thing rigged. She went to that field because God had pushed her heart towards that field. 
And she knew the place that she was supposed to be because God was orchestrating the thing the whole time. He's at work the whole time in the background. And even though she thinks she just happened upon this field, no, God did that. Just like God brought you here to Simple Church to hear this message on the second chapter of Ruth because you need to hear something that's going to change your life forever. That, that feeling in your heart like, man, how does he know this is what I need to hear? I get this all the time. How does he know? How did he know that that's the message I needed to hear today? The reality is I don't, but there is one who does. And he's the one that talks to me, and he's the one that I seek when I'm trying to figure out what in the world I'm supposed to say to you people. And he goes, this is what they need to hear. You need to go to the second chapter of Ruth and pour your heart and soul and mind and strength into that passage and let them hear what I have to say. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to work. God, I don't know. That's a tough passage. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull something out of Ruth chapter 2. I don't know if this is going to work out. And he said, like, if you do it, it won't. But if you let me do it, it will. Same thing in your life. If you try to do it on your own, it won't work out. But if you trust in the one that's got everything rigged and is working something for your good and his glory the whole time, it will work out and he will sustain you and he will take care of you. Even in ways that you don't even recognize at the time. Have you noticed this? This word makes me passionate. I, I just, it, like, it fires me up, man. Like I just read the stuff and I'm like, this is so good. I can't help that. If I dance around a lot and shake my hand like this, I apologize. All right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she was working in the field that belonged to Boaz, a relative of her, father, her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted his harvester. The Lord be with you. So Boaz has probably got some, some money, right? I, I, I would say Boaz has got some jack, but my daughter didn't know what that meant when I said jack. She was like, what does that mean? Is that like jacks, the restaurant? What does jack mean? It, money, okay? That's what I, in, in my generation, we call it he's making the jack, right? So he's got money, all right? Now, is there anything wrong with making money or having money? Wait, I thought money was the root of all evil. No, it's not. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. It's okay to have money. It's what you do with it that matters. It always boils down to the heart and where your heart is and what you're doing. So here, Elim, uh, excuse me, Boaz is coming in to greet his harvesters, his servants. And what does he say? The, the Lord be with you. I think this speaks volumes about the kind of man this guy was. He's a man that loved God. And he even said that to, the, to his employees, his servants. He's like, God be with you. The Lord be with you. Now, I know not all of us can do this in our jobs, but there's some of you that own your own businesses. You can go in on Monday morning and say, the Lord be with you. And it'd be okay. Man, there are people we need to be pouring into every single day that we encounter, and we need to say, the Lord be with you. They need to recognize that God is powerful in our lives, and God is doing something in our lives, and we need to share that with people, and that's exactly what we see Boaz doing. And then they responded back to him. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. So they know this about the guy, right? They know that, that here's a guy who loves the Lord, so they just reply back, the Lord bless you. Man, they want him to continue to prosper so they can continue to work for him. This is a good employee, employer relationship right here, right? This is really good, the fact that he says, 
hey, the Lord be with you. And they say, the Lord bless you in response. This is, this is obviously a godly man who's pouring out godly values and virtues into his employees. And you just see that, that God is overflowing in this man, that God is using this man in his obedience. And God is at work, right? God is doing something. And Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is a young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since. You can underline that if you want to. She's been hard at work ever since, except for the few minutes of rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us. When you gather grain, don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in, in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to water they have drawn from the well. I need to hold on to my water. I wish I could, like, just get it out there the way that that it is, you know what I mean? Like, I wish I could, because if you'd have read that, you'd have been like, wow. Have you ever heard a story about a man of God who meets a woman at the well and tells her she needs to get something to drink? And if she drinks of the water that he has, she'll never thirst again? Have you ever heard that story in John chapter 4 about the Samaritan woman who was a foreigner Somebody that didn't belong there with him. And he looks on her and says, you need something to drink. Oh, it's so good, man. Don't you see that? Here's a man of God talking to a woman who's a foreigner at a well saying, you need something to drink. And if you will drink from my well, you won't be thirsty. This is foreshadowing to Jesus Christ with the woman at the well. I told you last week, we talked about a Christophany, a pre-incarnate picture of Christ. You know, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And they look, and there's, there's four people in the furnace. And there was only three that they threw in there, and it was God in the flesh. It was Jesus Christ in there walking around amongst the flames with those guys, offering them protection. And that is amazing in the Old Testament when you see Jesus Christ, before he ever walks the earth, he's walking around in the Old Testament. But you know what also is amazing? It's when Jesus Christ is apparent in the hearts and lives of people in the Old Testament, and they are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ doing his will and working in people's lives, doing great things in people because they have a relationship with God. That is an amazing thing that God would choose to use us. I told you. I told you you got a choice to, to be with God or be without God, to have a relationship with God or, or not. And when you choose to have a relationship with God, you put him number one in your life and you surrender to his lordship, he uses you. He uses you. He uses you. you got to be a willing vessel. That's what being a Christian is all about. It's about following Jesus. It's about doing what Jesus Christ would have you to do. And here we see this man with the heart of Jesus. It says, you're thirsty? You come to my well to drink. Oh, but it gets better. It gets better. Y'all are like, oh, that's pretty good. 
Oh, that's just tip of the iceberg. I don't even know where I was. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked him, I am only a foreigner. The Samaritan woman was a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know everything about you. Did, did Jesus know everything about the woman at the well? Did Jesus know every single thing about her heart and what she had done and every single sin that she had committed? Did, did Jesus know everything about that woman? Absolutely. Absolutely he did. By the way, by the way, Ruth has no husband. The woman at the well, she had no husband. And he said, the man that you have now is not your own. He's not your husband. Yes, I know, but I also know everything about you that, that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard now you left your father and your mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Refuge. Refuge. You, you, you stay among these people. You, you stay among the people of God. You won't be a foreigner anymore. He's saying, you'll be adopted into our family. You'll be one of us. You come and you stay here and you take refuge here. And I'm going to be an instrument of God and how that happens. And he, he, he's showing her that she can be just like them. She, she says, I hope I continue to please you, sir. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. Not only am I a foreigner in a foreign land, but I'm also, I, I don't belong to you. I'm, I'm not, I'm not one, of, one of your servants. I, I belong somewhere else. I just happened upon your fields. I just happened upon this place, and, and I'm not one of yours. And you continue to be gracious to me. You continue to, to care for me and, and to allow me to seek refuge in this place. Not only does Boaz say this, Boaz does this. You've heard me say a million times before, a lot of times our words don't match our actions. A lot of times we say one thing, we say we're a Christ follower, we say we're Christians, but, but, but our lives don't really match up to that. We say we love the Lord, but the reality is that when you look at our lives, it doesn't really match up to that. Well, here we got a man who loves the Lord and what he's about to do really matches up to that because he loves this foreigner and cares about this foreigner as much as he would care for one of his own servants, one of his own people that's one of his own kind. He cares as much for her as he does for all of them. It's a beautiful picture of adoption is what it is. And she's humble before him. The only way to approach God in humility is this. You have shown me grace. I don't deserve it, but you have shown me grace. You have given me refuge. It says, and at mealtime. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food so you can dip the bread in the sour wine. And she sat 
with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. And she ate all she wanted and still had some left over. I told you it got better. Did you miss that? I told you it got better. Have you ever heard a story about a man who had some bread and he broke it and he gave it to some people and they had all they wanted to eat and then they had some left over? Have you heard that story before? How about the feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus was sitting there and had five loaves and two fishes? We talked about this in the Miraculous series, how Jesus was there and and they don't know what to do and they don't know how they're going to feed all these people and they don't know how they're ever going to not be hungry. And here, we've got a hungry lady with no idea how she's going to feed her or feed her family. Who's her family? Right now, it's Naomi, Mara. She's, she's back home. Uh, Ruth is, is staying with her, hanging out with her. They're living together, just kind of trying to survive on their own. And here, this man named Boaz gives her something to eat at mealtime. And you know what? She has some left over. Do you remember when Jesus broke the bread? They had 12 baskets full left over. This is the abundance of God. This is clearly God showing us you're going to have more than your fill. If you'll trust in me, if you'll trust in my provision for your life, you're going to have more than enough. You're not going to have any idea how it's going to happen, but if you trust me and you put your faith in me, it is going to blow your mind and you're going to have more than you can even wrap your mind around. Then uh, Boaz does some more stuff. I'll just kind of summarize this for you, and then we'll jump towards the end. Boaz goes out to his workers, and he said, You know what? I, you know this Ruth girl? She's going to be walking around picking up behind you. He said, I want you to leave a little extra for her. I want you to, to leave some extra behind so she has more to pick up. She has some extra to sustain her and her mother-in-law. This is what it says. In verse 19, Connie, we're going to skip ahead. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. Isn't that what the worker said to Boaz? May the Lord bless you. He's got the whole thing rigged. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. I imagine that when... Naomi heard the name Boaz. It must have sent chills down her spine. And she said, God is good. God knows. God has provided. God just didn't make Ruth wander into some random field today. God's provision has covered over us. And we have taken refuge in the right place at the right time because God is doing something great. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to our dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is complete. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in the other fields, but you'll be safe with him. It's so good, isn't it? It's so incredibly good. 
These two women come back to Bethlehem, hungry, no place to, to get any food. But God is, is covered in abundance. The place of Bethlehem now is they've come out of the famine. Ruth stumbles into a field not knowing what God is doing, but it turns out God has already orchestrated which field she go into. This guy named Boaz, who is a close relative of Elimelech, Naomi's husband. Boaz sees her, says, I know what you have done. I have seen everything that you have done. And he says, you come and you stay with me and I'll provide you refuge and you can stay with my harvesters. You'll stay with the guys who tend after the field and make sure that nothing happens to you. And she goes back to Naomi and says, man, he fed me dinner and I even got some left over for you. See, on the surface, it just looked like some women that had fallen on bad times and things weren't working out too well for them. But God is at work. God is doing stuff. He's sustaining them. He's bringing them into the right place at the right time for the right purpose. And he's feeding them with abundance. What they thought was a hopeless situation has now turned into a place of abundance. Isn't that the same thing that happened uh, with the woman at the well? Didn't she think that she was in a hopeless place because this man knew everything about her, knew all the sins that she had committed, and yet he's talking about a well that has water of eternal life. He's talking about a place where she'll never be thirsty again, where she'll have abundance. And she says, I perceive that you are a prophet. And Jesus Christ reveals to her that day, this Samaritan woman, he reveals to her that day that he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. The first person he like tells the, to the world is this Samaritan woman at a well. And she is able to drink in abundance from that well because she goes and she tells everybody else about this man back at the well. And he spends time there, and people become to know Jesus, and they become uh, ingrained in who Jesus is. And here, we also see Ruth. Ruth, who, who comes humbly to this man named Boaz, and says, you have been gracious to me, and now he gives her in abundance. They're starving, and now they are full. The 5,000 people that day, when the Disciples are looking around and saying, maybe we need to send them home, send them into the nearby towns because we got nothing to feed them. And Jesus says, no, tell them all to sit down. Tell them all to grab a chair because they're about to have an abundance. Let me tell you something. In your life, you may think that God has abandoned you. You may think that God is not taking care of you. You may feel empty and alone. That's not true. That's not true. If you choose God and you choose to be close to Him, if you are like Ruth and you say, wherever you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. If you choose the one true God and you choose to be close to Him, I promise He will sustain you, He will take care of you, and you will have in an abundance. Oh, wait, oh, oh, oh hang on a second. Does that mean that I'm going to have a Mercedes? No, <laughs> it does not. Does that mean I'm going to have... Uh, a half a million dollar house? No, it does not. He's going to bless you so you can bless other people. He's going to bless you like he blessed Boaz so he could bless other people. 
So they could pour out on other people, not only financially and taking care of them and giving them a place of refuge, but also in telling them about God. Telling them, the Lord bless you. The Lord be with you. God has blessed us immensely in this country so that we can bless other people. So that we can bless other people. Is there anything wrong with having money? Nope, not at all. But it is about what you do with it and where your heart is. What you care most about. So this word abundance has been thrown around a whole lot by a lot of preachers that preach something that's really not in this Bible. I'm telling you, God is going to sustain you and he's going to give you abundance so that you can bless other people. And it all boils down to your heart. Just like every single thing, just like the woman at the well, Jesus was talking about her heart. She was thirsty in her heart. The people out there, the 5,000, the 25,000 people, we talked about the JSU Stadium, how it was filled up with people, and Jesus fed them all with five loaves and two fishes. They were hungry. And when they came to Jesus the next day and said, we're hungry again, he said, you're just looking for something to fill your body. I'm looking to fill your heart. I'm looking to fill your heart. You know what Jesus is looking to do in your life? He's looking to fill your heart, to give you an abundance in your heart and in your life. You've got to surrender to him. You've got to say yes to Jesus and no to yourself. But I promise you, I promise you to be like nothing you've ever experienced in your life. And when you do something like stepping over into this water, you'll go, this really is abundance. This really is more than what I expected. This is way more than I deserve. If God is calling you to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, don't wait another day. Come up here and talk to me. I'd love to tell you how you can know Him, how you can surrender your heart and life to Him. If you feel like you're empty and alone and you don't know where God is, come down here and pray if you want to. Let us, let us pray with you. If you feel like I don't know where I'm going in my life or what steps are going to need to take in order for, for me to make it another day, come down here and pray to God who knows exactly the steps you need to take. And if you'll be close to Him, He'll be close to you. If you live in Him, if you abide in His Word, then He'll abide in you and, and you can actually live in His will and do the things that He's got laid out for you so that you truly can be fulfilled and even in abundance. That you don't have to worry so much or stress so much. You can just fall on His grace and follow His cross and say yes to Him. And I promise you, He'll take care of you. The greatest need you have is not your bank account. It's not even in your belly. The greatest need you have is right here in the center of your chest. And God can fill every spot of emptiness that you feel right here in your heart. So let me pray. Father, thank you, God for how you give in abundance. Lord, this is just a testimony in the Old Testament, God, of how you continue to pour into your people, how you continue to give freely and abundantly. God, we don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it, God, but you continue to give. And God, because of that, that makes you great and mighty and beyond our comprehension. God, there are people here right now in this place that are empty. They feel empty and alone. God, they don't know where they're going to go or what they're going to do. God, I pray that you'd speak to their heart. You'd speak truth to their heart. And I pray that they would just fall on their face before you and say, God, whatever you have for me, God, you have a blank check with my life, whatever you need to do. 
God, they want your will to be done. I pray that they, they ask you and say, God, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, you do what you need to do in my life so that you are glorified. God, there are people here that don't know you, they don't have a relationship with you. I pray for that person. I pray that you continue to work on their heart. I, continue to, I pray that you continue to break their heart. Lord, that we know that the first step of repentance is brokenness over our sin. And God, there are people here that need to repent of sin. Well, I pray that people that need to repent of sin would come and do that. There are people that need to surrender their whole life to you because they never have. God, I pray that they'd come and do that. God, I just pray, Lord, that we talk a lot about obedience and we talk about doing the things that God would have us to do. God, but some of those, sometimes it just, we just are so weak in our flesh, God, that we lack the ability to take steps forward towards you and towards repentance. I pray that we would be strong in you today. God, we take steps closer to you. God, that we'd, we'd be near and dear to your heart. God, that you'd restore those that need restoration. God, that you get glory from those that surrender their hearts and lives to you. God, thank you so much for the power of your word to change lives. God, thank you for the power of your word to change my life. God, we love you. This time belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you all please stand?